Lights, camera, action. Hello and welcome to another edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Keenan Bonner, and this week we'll be running you through the quarter-finalists of Movie Madness Season 3, letting you know who made the semi-finals and getting all the housekeeping done ahead of the finals next week. Gotta say, it was a bit of a hectic one this week. I think none of our schedules kind of matched up with the other, so we've tied essentially the day where we can get two of us together. We're locking this down now, and then everything in place for the semi-finals and final next week. Yes, sir. Yeah, we appreciate you moving around to, to match, what, right. match what I need to do. I mean, Sean couldn't do today or Thursday either, so it was a bit of a mix and match. What are you doing? Watching Arsenal tomorrow? Yeah, with with someone there. So it's not... Uh, if it was just watching it uh, standard, I'd do it while the pod's on. So. Oh, so one of the, is it West um, Brom, is it? Yeah, yeah. But when you're when your clubs as we are now, you uh, go into the league cup in round two. So uh, <laughs> new experience for me. That's not fun. No. Um, but what we do have is we kind of explained last week. Essentially, the pods that we would usually do for round two, and we would do about three an episode. Today, we're just going to go through all the quarter finalists. As we get to the end of each two, I will give you the results that. Uh, the three of us have voted on uh, away from uh, the recordings and uh, set up our semi-finalists. So back to the future then, we will start with previous matchups. It defeated The Mummy and True Romance so far. Too bad of a run. I think some of our more difficult. Um, I guess the ones Back to the Future, if we were giving it to the everyman in the street, that's probably Back to the Future you'd have expected to see off those two. Um, yeah. As for prequels, sequels, or lack of, I think we explained when we started that we were basically going to do Back to the Future 2, weren't we? It's my favourite of uh, the trilogy. I mm. think it's Jack's favourite as well. And either you or Sean hadn't seen or hadn't seen recently or thoroughly enough for it to make sense. So we went back to basics, went to number one, and uh, here we are today. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I, I mean, I was glad we did number one because I'd never seen yeah, it before, yeah. so it was it worked for it worked for me. I won't lie. Yeah, so Back to the Future Two, as I said, is my favourite. But the thing with the three of them, if you go to see them, is they're almost uh, cartoon-like in the way that kind of the characters are kept the same, but in different scenarios. I know you could think that basically applies to any sequel, but I mean, when it comes to the third one and it's set in the Wild Wild West, you've basically got the actor that plays Biff Tannen and they have it, uh, this is Biff's ancestor all these years before and it's the same thing and it's kind of just light-hearted as, as the three of them are. Um, yeah. Even with the first one, they do well and it was something that when uh, me and Jack spoke with uh, Jeffrey Weissman who played George McFly in the sequel, he said mm. there's a real effort. The fact they keep it to such a small area that it's easy to just update and you notice the small differences when they go through the different times in that all you're doing is changing the sign of a shop 
and instantly you're like that looks like it's 50 years prior or you add a couple extra lights to the sign and it's this is 50 years in the future etc etc so they they do quite well in that sense of not going crazy hmm. yeah because the concept the, the concept of time traveling perhaps if it was either of us doing it we might go absolutely mental and you want to go i don't know you want to go to the Colosseum and see if or you want to go to see the Romans and you want to go and see whatever. Anything yeah, like I, I, I <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, um, I think that that would be what that would be my take on it. So especially come to come this, especially come number three. Yeah, number two, I get doing a sequel that you sort of maybe make the second one, but then the third one. You've done you. You've you've made your money. You've done your bits. You just, we can just at so, this point do whatever I want. They were basically there was never supposed to be a sequel, which kind of does shock you when you see the ending, and it looks like it is so perfectly set up yeah. for the second one by the fact that when they do film the second one, they're literally able to just continue it. Um, but what they did do is due to the due to the success of the first one, they were so confident they filmed two and three back to back. The break between as soon as they saw the success, they got right in the scripts. And then they had a three-week break between two and three. They literally just shot them back to back and then just released them separately, of course. But they didn't hang about at all once they saw, okay, we've got a moneymaker here. Fair enough. Sorry. No, go on, go on. Well, we compared it when we did the Planet of the Apes, didn't we, for the wildcard, and we were saying it looked like each one they kind of planned, okay, we made this much money, so we can yeah. do this for the next one. This, they were just like, let's do it. Yeah, I, I suppose it, it depends on what you've got as to whether that's a good or a bad approach. I think the more serious the film, the yeah. more you need to plan sort of thing. Um, especially, I mean, these two characters, again, like we're talking the Coliseum, etc., I mean, they definitely could have just done that, and I still think it would have came out pretty good. So the co-writer, Bob Gale, I think I quoted an excerpt from this uh, on the original podcast, was asked, basically, why don't we have any more? He was he did it on a recent podcast two, three years ago, where they said, you know you'll make money no matter what happens. And he was quite frank with the answer. And he says, we told a complete story with the trilogy. If we went back and made another one, we'd have Michael J. Fox, who'll be 60 next year. He has Parkinson's disease. Do you want to see Marty McFly age 60 with Parkinson's disease? Do you want to see him age 50 with Parkinson's disease? I'd say you don't want to see that. And you don't want to see Back to the Future without Michael J. Fox because people do say, well, do it with somebody else. And he says, who are you going to get? All you're going to do is make comparisons between the originals and what you've then done, and you're just not going to match up. It's an impossible task. Yeah. Regardless, and it's regardless of how good a job that the, the new actor does pick your favorite pick your favorite actor 25 25 to 30 age range they're still not gonna they're still not gonna do it it's just if i think of michael j fox i now think of marty mcfly this yeah. is given this is given that i had never seen this film until we did this pod yeah and it's now in my head that's what it is and we both watched, uh, we really spoke about The Founder again recently after I, I watched it again, and we spoke about it a couple of pods, actually. Um, 
but you know with the whole end of that and the gentleman's agreement so they say and we hear this constantly now when it comes to harry kane um all it is is a gentleman's agreement as to them not making any more back to the future films like bob gale doesn't own the rights there steven spielberg if he really wants to him and his studio can go out and make a new back to the future tomorrow but he says that uh, with zemeckis and gale they essentially just had a handshake like just please don't ruin what we've what we've done already and they've adhered to it i i mean i i, I glad, i'm glad they have because i think you you could quite easily spoil this yeah but it's surprising in this day and age that no one has no one has tried do you do you think it helps that it's an old film so and um, what by that i mean say you have this gentleman's agreement I don't know. I can't think of a, a film that's coming out. But say you have a new film, time travel film comes out tomorrow that they don't expect it to do too well. Even say Hot Tub Time Machine. You know what, how we feel about that. Um, yeah. Say Steve Pink in his studio, they have a handshake and say, uh, I'd rather you didn't make any more. But it does tremendously well. You've got the audience that are kind of built in there today. I don't think they stick to that, do you? They they take that and run with it and say you should have you should have signed a better contract. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think if if the money's there now, people just take it. It being an old film, I don't know, mate. I mean, what was eighty first one came out? There's still an audience there for it, like yeah. People I mean, who people who be in their forties the or forties or fifties would have seen my mom. Man would have been. He'd been 14, 15 when it came out. He'd been the perfect age. Like, I'd be interested to know, because I, I, I think you could probably do a comparison. Say you look now, if they could do some kind of poll and work out how many of the Rocky fans from back in the day go and see the Creed films. Slightly, diff- slightly different, but I get, I get your point. I, I, I mean, say, I'm just see how much the old audience carries over in, if there is the interest there. But, I know. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I think you. Again, you couldn't do it. You couldn't throw someone else in and be like, "Oh, this is about a Rocky when he's young." You, you're right. It would be interesting to see. Um, it's a just, weird thing, isn't it, where you're that much of a fan that you don't want any more. But I like that. Yeah, that's what. I'm, it's, it's a weird concept because I guess. If you just kind of like the film and maybe the legacy of it or anything like that doesn't mean much to you, you might just say, well, like, yeah, I'll watch that. You yeah. Know, go and make one. Yeah. No, I get that. Like, as much as I don't get a lot of it, I do appreciate people who are that into it. Like, yeah. as much as those listeners of the pods over the last few weeks, probably all over this bracket where a lot of the fandoms that we've discussed I, I i honestly don't enjoy i do appreciate that people are that passionate about it um like so sometimes there is too much of a good thing yeah sometimes, sometimes it does boil down to that and that people are respectful enough of this not to ruin i mean you ask a lot of people i don't i don't know your thoughts on them but you ask a lot of people the disney version of the star wars films are shy yeah, oh, they hate it it's is this ruined that ruin the legacy of etc etc and that that sort of sort of be it people are so i know i sort of read online and see tweets and stuff that people are sort of quite turned off uh, as, yeah. as to it and they treat the 
the sort of the first three as a, as its own separate entity almost. Um, so th- so there is that there is that aspect of it as well, I suppose. So if we go through the categories, then, so what do you love most about this film? Um, I, it's just it's a very easy watch, mate. Yeah, and I don't know if this sounds this sounds probably sounds terrible. Um, and I don't know if the limitations of what they could because it was a it made so long ago. The limitations of what they could do stop stop it maybe, but there's no. There's not a great deal of exposition into his ability to travel it travel through time. Do you know it's not it's not that deep sort of thing. It's just no, yeah, no. I, I've mastered time travel. Do you want to jump in a motor? Yeah, yeah. And I like it's, it's easy to watch, and even when he goes back in time, it's easy to follow. Yeah, um, yeah. It's not not too, it's not not hard at all. It's quite funny. It's quite charming in its own way. Like I said on the pod that I liked it more than I thought I was going to. Mm. Um, I wasn't expecting great things, and I thought I, I quite enjoyed it. Yes, yeah, so to to be quite sentimental here, and maybe not the kind of uh, way we go about the pod. What I've got down here is just the way it made me feel. I can remember watching this when I was younger, and it doesn't really change if I watch it today. Um, it it truly is just a, a feel good film. I love the whole mood around it. I love all the characters, the soundtrack. Um, it just puts a smile on your face. I find when I watch this. Uh, so. Yeah, that was quite simply just uh, the way it makes you feel when I watch this back there. Hmm. Especially that opening scene when uh, Power of Love kicks in, him on the skateboard, sign of the times there, and uh, him at the ball. Um, today, I, I must say something uh, to think about already. We will be doing the last scene standing, so between us here, we will uh, unanimously agree on uh, what it has the prestigious honour of taking that for season three. Hmm. Um, what would be your nitpick for Back to the Future? Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily a nitpick, but just something I don't like about the film, but that suffice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the sexual assault's rough. I have down the way Biff is sold as just being a bit handsy. Yeah, no, he's flat out trying to rape you on. <laughs> um, rough. I mean, the other thing, Dan, I have with a lighter touch is... Uh, the guy wearing 3D glasses before 3D films were invented. Mm. One of Biff's boys has a pair of 3D glasses on. I don't know, like, I don't know why that was a thing in the film. But in the credits, he's just known as 3D glasses guy. So they obviously know, like, they're not selling it. It's just being like sunglasses or something. It just makes no sense at all. Oh, nice. Other than maybe he came to set with a pair of 3D glasses on, and they were like, oh, this is, he looks quite cool. Just keep that in. Mm. Yeah, the Biff, the Biff thing's the, the standout one. Uh, not not even just they do it, just the way it's kind of... Uh, I think before Biff even does that, Marty's plan is essentially, he says, he's going to be a bit hands-on, and then he said he'll be acting, and then George McFly has to come and they get your hands off her, which is when he goes in the car and it turns out to be Biff. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um. If we start with the last scene standing then, so pick one from here, as always, uh, well, for those that are unfamiliar, if you consider there to be a metaphorical throne that is being sat on, each time we do a film, starting here, there will be a scene on this throne. If the scene's better, it kicks that one off and it is sat on there. And by the end of these eight films, whichever scene is sat on the throne 
is the last scene standing. What scene would you put forward here? Probably the dance scene, mate, to be honest. Yeah, what, Johnny B. Good? Johnny B. Good, yeah, so I was trying to think yeah. of the name of the song. Yeah, that's what, that's what I had down as well, so uh, nice easy start there. So uh, throughout this, we'll have to unanimously agree if it kicks off, if it doesn't, I guess, part of the negatives of just having two of us here. Um, I slightly tweaked it to be a line from the film that could be used as a Tinder bio or opening message, because essentially I think a lot of ours for last season were more opening messages that we just had very odd bios going down. Um, do you have anything down for this? I know I'm usually the uh, supplier in chief. You are. You're a, you're a lot more immature than I. Um, no, I don't. So, I did have, and this was more a biomaterial, and it's a line from Doc. Well, it has nothing to do with it. Just to get that out there early. See where we go from there. There isn't so many for these films as there usually are. I was a bit disappointed as I went through the quotes. So uh, that's the best I could do for uh, Back to the Future. But if we move on to a film that uh, you're more passionate about in that sense, and that is Skyfall. Previous matchups defeated King Arthur and Revenge of the Sith. Uh, we won't go into the prequel sequels or lack of because we did Casino Royale as part of the last bracket. So we kind of covered the this is what Daniel Craig is supposed to be, so on, so on. What do you love most about Skyfall? Raul Silver. So, Javier Bardem's role. Yes. Yeah. I, I had that down. I did also have down uh, Kincaid. Uh, I mean, every, every time I see the scene, just the fact that he literally has to just be told there's people coming and he, he's just down for the cause. <laughs> he's ready to go to the death. He's ready to ride. He's, uh, yeah, he's down for action. But yeah, Xavier Bardem in this, I think we did a whole thing. In a, at one point, I think we debated whether he could take MVP over Bond when we did uh, the podcast the first time around. Yeah. He, 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 he's just got a villainous face, hasn't he? I mean, we're going to do another one of his films in the next bracket where kind of uh, channels a similar kind he's of so, He's so good. Like he genuinely, he just is. I know you don't like them particularly, but he's even great in Pirates of the Caribbean. Saves what I've always would be a very mediocre film, or less than mediocre film probably. But he's just, he's just mint. Um, yeah, cause, <clears throat> I like the. Sorry, I, I don't mean to keep cutting you off. I keep thinking you're finished, by the way. It's all right. You don't call it a dramatic. You call it a dramatic pause. It's just me trying to think. Um, but we've done like. He is fantastic, but there are some other bits. Of like, I like some of the action scenes. Um, the opening scene's brilliant. There's, you say, Kincaid. That whole, that whole bit yeah. at Sky at Skyfall. It's just there's a couple of issues with it, but there is there are like it is just a very good scene. You know, the whole, the improvisations, the shot, uh, the 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 buck and the shotgun shells going into light bulbs and stuff. People step on it, or as it turns on, bang, and the yeah. shrapnel, the shrapnel, like the sort of shrapnel bombs going into the light bulbs. It's it's quite interesting. For Bardem and uh, what we said there, for what he does in his roles as a villain, it's almost as much about what he doesn't do, isn't it? Because for the most part in this film, I guess it gets worse for him as the film progresses, but he's not shouting and screaming in your face as Bond villains don't tend to be but the, the way he just walks towards the camera for his introduction, just the slow menace as he's telling his story, 
yeah. is about as perfect as I think they could possibly have done that. I, I mean, I think the same applies. Um, like, No Country for Old Men, Javier Bardem isn't the type of villain I don't want to see him throwing hands. I know he's a little bit more hands on in Old Country for Old Men, but even then, it's using the improvised, the pressure gun. Um, yeah. It's just, he, like, menacing is probably, is probably the best word for him. He's, some, he's intimidating. Yeah. If you look at him, if you saw him in sort of real life, he's not, like, you see him in interviews and sort of on the red carpet, etc., as it might be, he's not a particularly intimidating-looking bloke. No. But it's almost as though, bang, the camera goes on, it drops that sombre face, like the jaw comes slightly down, the mouth turns, sort of turns downwards, and then it's on. The eyes look a little bit more sullen. And he's just sort of perfected that. It's a quiet, it's a quiet menace. Do you know what I mean? Well, there's something with it, isn't there, is uh, you don't feel threatened by him in actuality, but when he's in these films, he's often playing a guy who at least shows a certain level of confidence. And yeah. you almost find yourself asking, why are you so confident in yourself, which adds a certain level of intimidation to it, because he must have something up his sleeve. Yeah, it's probably more sociopath and psychopath sort of thing. Yeah. He's not ranting and raving and screaming and shouting. No. It's it's calculated, it's intelligent. It's, Joe, there's a, there's a plan behind it, even in, no country for all men. I mean, probably obviously far less intelligent than the supervillain he portrays here, but yeah, still just that quiet confidence is not running Raven Dex Y and Zads from memory. Um, like I always think about the scene where he kills the guy in a petrol station or yeah. gas station, as you want to see. He says like three words and, mm. and he's, he's away. Like the, it, it, there's, a, there's a method to, to the madness. Yeah. My nitpick does also revolve around him and not anything to do with uh, his performance. And it's those hacking sequences. And we spoke about it the first time we did uh, the podcast on this. For a guy that is so straight down the middle, no thrills and this kind of thing, the way they have almost like the cartoonish, you've been hacked stuff, which you would expect from maybe more of a diehard film uh, Mm. than this type of Bond film. Um, Yeah. And the scene in uh, where he's been uh, arrested and he's been interrogated and then they find out that he's kind of hacking them from the inside. They just have that weird map of the tube and it's like, this isn't how it's done. I don't know why you're doing it like this. Oh, talking of great scenes where the tube crashes. Yeah, there's a lot of great scenes in this. Mm, There are. Do you think... Casino Royale and, and Skyfall, I, I don't know your overall take on them, but I feel it could be similar to um, how a lot of people feel about Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises, where kind of whichever one you're watching at the time is the one that you're going to say you prefer until you stick the other one on and you're like, you know what, this one might actually be better. No, no, Skyfall's the best. They're the better of them, by It's not even close, mate. What that bit of poker might show on you. It's certainly... Uh, more beautifully shot some of the scenes in this particularly at, at skyfall and when they're in uh macau it's just like nuts especially when you kind of take it in you, you can focus more on that kind of thing once you know the plot mm. it's just the one where he's in casablanca and he's in the brain suit yeah. and they're in the desert is that sure. the solace no i think this is it might not be casablanca but they're sure they're in north africa it's where um where they go it's where they go to meet his no wait is this one 
Oh, I don't think it is. I think it's the one with... No, it's not. It's the Spectre. That's what I'm thinking of. He takes the girl and they go to the big compound. Not the deserted island. They go to the compound. There's a scene in Spectre where he's in sort of a brown suit. He's in the desert and it just looks unreal because he's getting picked up and gets driven. And, and that's where you see Blofeld again. Yeah, I'm not your man for Bond. Um, I kind of know what I know, and that's about it. I've learned more doing uh, the research for the podcast than I would have known ever before. Um, do you have a nitpick, sorry? Um, I don't know. No, not overly. And it's not... There's, I mean, there might be a couple. The, like, the whole disappearing for six months, but we've been keeping tabs on you. Like you, your world, your world's falling apart far before this. The the NATO thing, like this list is still missing. By the way, like after the first one, he gets like the fella gets away because she shoots Bond. Well, he's got this hard drive. Yeah, yeah. Do you know I mean, he's got this hard drive. If you know where he is and you're keeping tabs on him, pr- probably do something about it. Yeah. Maybe a little bit before the word like these agents are still at risk. So it's only when he comes back that he's suddenly top priority again. Yeah, right. Um, the British Intelligence Service. Yeah, yeah. Got to have their priorities straight. Mm. Um, last scene standing. Then I mean, as much of a uh, Back to the Future fan as I am, I, I don't see it uh, taking it certainly in this format. Um, which one would you put forward for Skyfall here? The fight at Skyfall. I would have gone for Bardem's rat speech. Okay. I like that from you. In fairness, that or I, I even quite like when he's telling him he has to he has to shoot something off the the girl's head that he saved, mm. and then he just yeah yeah the the rat speech is what I is what I think of in terms of scene, but when I think of Skyfall, I like my mind goes to the images of the burning Skyfall. So. To be See, fair, I'm kind of happy with either whichever one we put forward and uh, sit on I, the I, uh, I would take either, just for the record, I would take either of those over the Johnny P. Good scene in yeah, Back to I the agree. Future. Okay. Um, if I had to give one, I'll concede and give it to you and give it to the Bardem Rat speech because I do think that's fucking brilliant. I think that one might stack up better in there. It stands out a bit more from the other scenes we're going to go through, I think. Hmm. Something a bit different. Um, a line from the film that could be used as a Tinder buyer opening message. Um, quite disappointing in this. Uh, my only thing would be if I was going to put everything on the table straight away. Medical evaluation fail and physical evaluation fail would probably be a good place to start. Um, you caught me now. Here's, here's your prize. Seems a bit more of something that Sean would send. So uh, unfortunately, he's not here to confess to that. Yeah, that's fair. Um, strange that we're struggling when it's James Bond. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we've got James Bond lines in the locker is part of the issue. Yes, uh, please don't say this is an insult, mate, but you and I are hardly Daniel Craig. No, so I mean, degradation Sean, probably a better way to start. Yes, Sean Connery in his 80s looks probably looks <laughs> about as good as I do these days. Uh, regret is unprofessional, maybe? Good start. I mean, you'd have to... That's, uh, Getting things up front nice and early. Exactly. Um, with with the nitpick of this, I think we did it last time as well. The fact that uh, when he's in the say. car, 
how the woman kind of puts all her cards on the table about how she's been assaulted and she's been basically trafficked. And then he just breaks into her house and forces himself into the shower. Yeah. Rough ride. Um, yeah, it is rough. I mean, the next film that we do... Actually, I've got to give you the uh, results first of... Uh, well, you know the results, but give everyone else the results. Mm-hmm. Um, do, do, do. Oh, I don't actually have the full cards here. I think they're on a different... Uh, I think they might be on a different I mean, drive. You can just give the result if you wish. Yeah, I think I might have to. Um, the exact thing, and I can probably remember what uh, this bit, most of the categories were. Uh, so, Back to the Future did go through on this one, nine to five. Uh, if I load a scorecard up, don't hold me to these, but I can give you a basis of what I think uh, went each way. Um, preference went to Skyfall. Rewatchability went to Back to the Future. Moment slash scene went to Skyfall. Quote went to Back to the Future. MVP went to Skyfall. Side character went to Back to the Future. Difficulty went to Back to the Future. Visual appeal, I'm going to say, went to Skyfall from memory. Mm -hmm. Soundtrack, originality, impact openings I think opening C might be the only other one that went to Skyfall so you got chemistry ending impact originality soundtrack all going to back to the future so I don't think I've missed anything out there actually mm-hmm. pulled away pulled away in the end um, Skyfall doesn't quite make it through so your favorite of the brackets I think uh, Lord of the Rings return of the king and I actually, I think I forgot to say, as part of the awards ceremony next week and inspired by something you said on last week's podcast, uh, one of the awards that I have in place, just to see if I sent it through to you or not, which I'm not sure if I did. I didn't. One, one of the awards I had down is I will never watch that film again. There's quite a few on this list. Yeah, well, from this bracket. Well, there'll be a vote between us and we'll see what comes out on top. Uh, Master and Commander comes to mind uh, immediately. I know there's several for you. Um, shoot, uh, shoot once wanted me to vote for my dog film of the bracket. Yeah, essentially. It's, uh, but it's Everest is in there because you, you, you said that there. So uh, a similar way of uh, going down. But anyway, Lord of the Rings is the next one to get on to. Previous matchups uh, has defeated Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Django Unchained. Um, the prequel, sequel, or lack of, I won't ask you to uh, talk about too much. Uh, they are all great films. Uh, I appreciated Two Towers a lot more when I rewatched ahead of the podcast, actually. And um, Jack actually messaged me to say that he's watching uh, them all again at the moment, the extended cuts, which I imagine is your worst nightmare. Um, That's like a full 24 hours now. Well, I've got the runtime of them without the extended cuts, so you could probably work out once I get there. The Hobbit was a bit lighter in tone, but still enjoyable, and it did birth Jack's lift theory, which I don't know if that's been explained to you before. 
No. That he genuinely believes, and we oh, we won't mention it next time he's on the podcast because he won't stop. But he believes that if you were in a lift and you were hurtling to the floor, all you would need to do is jump just before you hit the floor, and you would be fine. Do you know that's the complete opposite of what you're supposed to do, right? I'm just telling you what he says. Okay. And uh, he believes. So your greatest chance for survival statistically, if you're in an elevator that's falling at a rapid speed, is to lie on the floor. And you can Google that, and that's is, yeah. is actually back. They've they, they did they've done experiments, and that's your safe. That's your biggest potential to survive is to lie on the floor. And he kept the theory. He says, say you were part of a bridge that was hurtling towards the floor, and you were on a piece of concrete. If you jump just before you hit the concrete below, you would survive. He has lost the plot, basically. And when he went as far as to explain his evidence, there's a scene in one of the Hobbit films where there's a bridge or something that's falling, and Legolas basically runs up the falling bricks as if they're steps and then shoots someone as he springs off the top of them. And Jack said, look at what Legolas did in The Hobbit and that shows you that you can do it. Is Legolas in The Hobbit? Yeah, he is, yeah. Is he? Yeah. I didn't know. I saw the first Hobbit yeah. in the cinema. Might surprise yeah, you. Yeah, he's, uh, he's in the third one. I'm not sure if he's in the second, but he's definitely in the third. They all uh, came out in December, that's... around about my birthday. Yeah. Uh, me and my brother once watched. My brother really, really likes all the... Really, used to really like Lord of the Rings. He had all the books and, as well. Um, I assume he still does. Um, so you went for your birthday to see it? No, no, it just happened to be around about the time. Oh. He was, oh, we went for something to eat, and he was, oh, do you want to go and watch this? I said, like, yeah, why not? So I went to see it, thinking, no, nah, won't really enjoy it. Didn't really enjoy it, but it was being nice. No, no um, that's certainly a long one to commit to, even if you think you're not going to enjoy it. But well, I, had to commit one, to, I had to commit to pissing Lord of the Rings, no? Yeah, but you didn't pay for that, at least. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it wouldn't have made... I actually don't think it would have made me any more annoyed if I had. <laughs> well, essentially, at the end of the third one, there is, like, a, a battle scene that lasts for, like, an hour where it just cuts to just different scenes of people being chopped up and uh, going through, so there's at least something there. After the third one, not about a dragon or some shit? Yeah, it starts in the second one. And oh, okay. continues, yeah. Um, God. There I ask what you love most about Lord of the Rings Return of the King none of it I don't love any of it I don't mind the battle I don't mind the battles I don't quite like the battle scene the long one towards the end with the elephants and stuff yep that's what I've done is one of the uh, last scene starting suggestions the battle of Helena Fields with Legolas on the elephant Um, (laughs) the fact that you know this shit makes me laugh so much do my research for the podcast. No, don't play it off as though you've done your research. Just admit that you have, like it. I wouldn't have known what the battle was called. I, could st- I, I still, by the end of watching Game of Thrones, didn't know how the characters' names. I'm awful with it. Mm, okay. so I had to do a. Uh, so I did a Lord of the Rings Return of the King movie clips and had a look at what was there and then picked out my favourite. Um, I would say what I love most about the films is uh, the conclusion of uh, Sam's character arc, I do like, um, and essentially the payoff after you have committed for 11.2 hours 
for the uh, regular cuts of each of these, the standard edition, uh, the payoff of uh, the finale after uh, watching for that long. Nice way. Not quite a you saying uh, ending, I assume, which was what I was expecting. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you have a nitpick? Uh, I have things I don't like about the film. Yeah, no, no, not just not sorry, not just the fact that I don't like it, but like it's a specific, yeah, yeah. if you will, because um, I'm not going to be so fucking facetious as to say the whole thing. Um, the nine, the nine false endings. Yeah, yeah. really pisses me off. Because um, it seems I don't, I just don't get it. I don't, I don't understand. Nah. Like you could have cut this by half hour. And it's sort of the same film. I remember being spun when we watched it for this and seeing, obviously, uh, they're not Mount Doom. And then I think I must have paused when we went to the toilet or something. Um, and then seeing how long was left and thinking, this can't be right. <laughs> yeah. This just doesn't make sense. There was just, like, it seems like it's going to end. Then it's going to end. Oh, no, this... Uh, and then it just goes on for, like, another 25 minutes. And I just... I don't, I don't really see the point. You've done what you needed yeah. to do. Your man Sauron's gone. You're out, you've you've accomplished what you need to accomplish. Let's go home. And I've got yeah. a wedding. I've got all of this. You've got several and, weddings. Yeah, and then I've got I'm pissing off onto a boat. <laughs> yeah. I yeah I, 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 I don't I don't I'm sure there's a sense of sentimental meaning behind it. I'm sure some of the people who like this can probably tell us the reason behind it. Fair enough. Well, in, in the actual book, because I looked up, they get back and there's like carnage and they still have more to do, even after doing all this, because whilst they've been away, the Shire's been taken over, essentially. Oh, well, maybe give us that. Yeah, they, I guess they they thought it would be a whole other thing. They wouldn't quite, I guess it probably takes away from what's happened. They made it, it's supposedly meant to be uh, quite a political thing at the time, and it was meant to be that everyone's gone to war and this is what you're coming home to, what are you really fighting for was the message behind it. Really? They were trying to yeah. make a stance against the Iraq, uh, presumably the Iraq, the war in, the war in Iraq and the war in Afghanistan in this? No, no, okay. no. I mean, uh, in the book, the, this is the the ending in the book, which I tried to think when it was written way before uh, we were going into Iraq. Um, the fourth is one. The book, Forties or fifties, he wrote. He wrote it. Told yeah, him. yeah. The the point of, was supposed to be that they'd gone away for all time and they come back and then they say, "Oh, they, sorry, they don't even have their own home left there for them." For example. Yeah, homes fit for heroes. And yeah. Heroes fit for homes. So okay, but it yeah, makes but, makes makes slightly more sense. But they just, I guess, they thought they might downplay from what you've spent eleven hours building up to if they get home and it's like right. We've still got more to overcome. Mm. I understand why they didn't end it like that, but I think you come back and you end it, you could end it with where they all kind of uh, bow their heads to the hobbits and put the nice little music on, fade out. I, I think there's quite a lot of places they could they can end it, mate. As I said, I'm yeah, sure, yeah. sure some of the listeners can fill us in. Who are, I mean, I imagine Jack would probably be able to fill us in. He's got a love for this film that I, I I actually just don't understand but each their own um, the, the other nitpick I did have down was uh, the way they send home the army of the dead like they are indebted to Aragorn he's he's their leader essentially 
mm. um, at this point. And rather than say, look, lads, they can't kill you. We have one more battle that you can help us with. They go in shorthanded to the biggest army in Middle Earth. He's a man of his word. Because, yeah, there's times to be a man of your word and there's times not to be. If we always, be a, stick, always be a man of your word. No, if we give Batman stick for not filling in the Joker... We but can... again, he make Batman being a man of his word. He says, I'm not going to kill anyone. Doesn't kill him. Yeah, and then look what happens afterwards. He's complaining that the same guy's terrorising people. Like, at some point, you, you've got to take one for the team here. Like Ron no. Hall. No. I, that's where you and I... That's where we disagree. You don't think Batman should have just iced the Joker? Once he makes that promise and he says, look, I'm not going to kill him and that's how I work, then he, so he has to. There's, there's, there's all fair in love and war, as they say. Um mm. Last scene standing then, there's these suggestions I had down. Um, one, as much for the name as anything, uh, the Crack of Doom being just a great, a great name for a scene. Uh, <laughs> Frodo, for the 19th time, has decided that it's all a bit too much and he can uh, drag himself up the final 10 feet to uh, chuck the ring away. And Sam tells him, I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you after they've spoken about strawberries and the taste of ale. <laughs> Just a great moment for Sam, that. Probably the hero, you would agree? Yeah, I think uh, Tolkien's even said before, he is the hero of Lord of the Rings, whether people like to say he is or not. I guess he's the guy that can tell you. Yeah. Well, it's um, very true. I had that Shelob's lair, um, just how claustrophobic that scene is uh i only thought about it recently when i walked through the tiniest cobweb and it just took me back to that film in which frodo's battling through the biggest cobwebs you will have ever seen and the feeling that that must have been yeah a spider's a is a very good version of a big spider yeah which it sounds really reductive, but think about how many films there are that features yeah, like yeah. massive spiders, and that's a very good version of it. And I had down the Battle of Helena Fields, which uh, you mentioned with Legolas on the elephant. Uh, do any of those scenes take over the scene in Skyfall for you? No, sir. I'm in agreement. Uh, oh, wow. So that stays on the throne. I mean, it, it takes two of us to agree. I was going to say, do, so, we, do, we go, um, do we do it that way? Yeah. Um, now, there was a bit more to work with here uh, with a line from the film that could be used as a Tinder buyer opening message, largely due to the use of the ring, which I guess you can imagine. A um, <laughs> couple I had down here. Uh, you young rascals, a merry hunt you've led us on, and now we find you. Uh, quite simply, the ring is mine. Uh, might be a bit forceful. Um, you've fought many wars and slain many men but you not have peace <laughs> uh, perhaps if you're not too happy the age of men is over the time of the orc has begun <laughs> long have you hunted me long have I eluded you quite a nice one yeah uh, in contrast um, 
you miserable little maggot, I'll stove your head in. <laughs> Maybe this is why you don't have a great success on Tinder. Who knew? Well, I, I think that's uh, the least of my worries, to be honest. Um, I have to destroy it, Smeagle. I have to destroy it for both our sakes. <laughs> and uh, the best of the lot. Um, any chance of seeing that old ring again? <laughs> You are a grim creature. <laughs> I know how proud of that you are as well. Um, I've got it in bold on my notes. Um, we'll move on to uh, from one of your least favourite films in the bracket to one of mine. Uh, and that is Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. Uh, previous matchups defeated Space Jam in round one and Harry Potter and the Foster's Stone in round two. For prequels, sequels, or lack of, uh, you'll have to lead the dance here, Keenan. What, for Pirates of the Caribbean? Yeah. Uh, Dead Man's Chest. It's a nice introduction to Davy Jones. I think Jeffrey Rush is brilliant in them. It's not a particularly good film. Uh, it's not, not particularly... It's not the best of them. Um, do get to meet the Kraken. It's pretty cool. The, yeah. It introduces more of the backstory to the world, the 10-year curse so on and so forth what happens surrounds that um there is actually a story behind the uh the hundred souls the story behind it is that uh the charge the the thing i don't know true it is but it's something i've read a read a couple of times a couple of places and i think it's actually quite quite interesting um the cargo that jack sparrow was charged with by davy jones to travel uh was a hundred slaves and he set them free, essentially. Or did they end up being let go? Um, excuse me, as part of it. So it's why he owes him 100 souls, because uh, he didn't complete his mission. Um, there's another one. There's a, a story behind the ships as well. It's actually quite an interesting... For someone who doesn't really deal with mythology, all the sort of things that we do, and I complain that I don't like... As I've said before on the pods, I like pirates. So yeah. I, I'd like I, I, it, it's, I suppose it's whatever floats your boat. Cause it's the same mythology if you want to look into it surrounding surrounding this universe. But it's not a book. It's obviously based on a theme park ride, so it's mm. got different interpretations, and you can. There's a lot of theories about it, and those are all quite interesting. I've read quite a few of them. Um, it moves to the world end, the the world's end. Uh, we're at world's end. Um, oh, which is probably is my favourite of them. Uh, I like that it introduces more of the pirate mythology, Pirates Cove, the the, the Covenant of, and the, the Pirate Council, and you meet more pirates, the Asian pirates, and so on. Um, you get a little bit further into Jack as well, and the, the madness. Um, Will has become Davy Jones by that point, uh, as he does at the end of the second one, when he st- uh, oh, sorry, no, he becomes it in that one, when he stabs Davy Jones's heart, um, which is, 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 again, is interesting. They, they get married, um, uh, and so on. Then it moves to number four that I can't remember the name of. Uh, the fourth and fifth one I always get confused. The way they're still I, making more, aren't they? They are, yeah. Well, they brought Johnny Depp back in. Disney and yeah, rehired him. It was strange that he was ever going to be let go. To be fair. Yeah, I mean, it's it's cost him an awful lot, but that's neither in or there. I think we, uh, I think we've discussed. Um, I think we've we've sort of discussed this on the pod. Yeah, I think the way Hollywood read it though is they read that a lot. They believe I think more people side with Amber Heard. Like whenever you read articles, it's like 
made public backlash Johnny Depp to do such and such when everyone seems to be in kind of resounding support for him. So I think whoever's inside of Hollywood isn't reading the room very well. Maybe, maybe, mate. As I, as I wouldn't, I'm not too, not too sure on it. Um, the names of the uh, films you weren't sure on uh, on Stranger on Stranger Tides. Stranger Tides, thank you. That is the um, one with Penelope Cruz and uh, Ian McShane's in it. Plays Blackbeard. Then Salazar's Revenge. And Salazar is the gentleman that Javier Bardem plays. And the one that's being done at the moment is Wedlocked. Hmm. I will tell you for certain that I will watch number six. So you can correct me if I'm wrong here. But my <clears> memories of the second and what kind of goes on and I know from the later films, does it count to kind of undo what they've done in the first? Because don't Jack and Barbosa essentially end up on the same side as the films go on? Uh, they do it in a way. Not so much the second, but more so in the third. Um, they obviously end up they they end up fighting a sort of a bigger threat, if you will. Yeah. Uh, in the third one, they're sort of trying to bring an end to piracy and so on and so forth, and they sort of end up do they do come together, um, and then by Barbosa becomes he, send, he essentially ends up com- commanding like an armada. Part of a pirate's armada. There is a word for it, but I can't remember what it is, um, which is quite interesting and quite cool. Jeffrey Rush thinks brilliant in this, um, as you know, as he gets my vote for side character when we discuss this, typically. Um, I, I just quite like it, but say it, it's strange for the criticism that I levy at Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and Star Wars. I'm how very much I am in how very much I am into James Bond and Pirates of the Caribbean, but I suppose it just depends on what your individual interest is. So when I ask what you love most about the film, is it quite simply pirates? It is a little bit, yeah. I mean, it's really interesting. Got down Kira Knightley, so it's not much of an upgrade on an answer. We don't need to hear the Kira Knightley story again. There's no story. I don't know what you're referring to. You do, and I don't need to hear it. I don't need um, to say it. No, you're right. Surely it could have been Jessica Alba in that role. We found out. I don't know why. I don't, I'm not sure what you think that changes about your life, mate. I just, I'll just. I assume in the subsequent years you've you've, you've not went out to Jessica Alba more Jesus. than once. PG pod. Uh, well, I did far worse terms I could have used. <laughs> yeah, there is. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure it's a conversation we we want to go down. Um, I we think we, we had this on the pod. It, it just seems a bit worse when it's you saying it. Are you saying it back to me feels a bit worse. Oh, yeah, because it's weird as shit. Oh, you're the one bringing it up. Jeez. You mentioned Kira Knightley. Your boy Lee Hendrick on the TV. Um, yeah, he genuinely is. Um, <laughs> what would be your nitpick? Uh, good question. I've got one if you want me to tell you mine. I don't wonder if it's the same. Mine, mine has mine has a little bit to do with Barbosa and his army of the undead. No, that it felt like it was on for about nine hours is my nitpick. You're gonna levy that. You're gonna throw that out for this film. This felt longer to me than Return of the King. You are a joke. No, I'm being deadly serious. Deception, disgrace. I was sat watching this thinking, blimey, like. 
Time was moving slowly. I'm convinced time slowed down while I watched this. I genuinely am shook. Like the stuff you've made me watch for this bracket. <laughs> They've been better. No. Keira Knightley's flung up in the air like she's on a trampoline towards the camera. I've never seen. I've never seen anything like it. I. I'm actually no words. Oh, I thought your nitpick might be the same. No, there there is a <clears throat> there are some issues with the 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 army of the undead, if you will. The the runtime though for all of these was a thing. Like for for all of these films, something that was associated with Pirates of the Caribbean was the length of the films that seemed to go up and up and up for each film. I don't know if you disagree with that. I mean, I've never really considered it. I remember when I'm gonna say at World's End came out. Oh, what a film! I just remember there being a thing about the runtime of it. Mm. Uh, never even considered it, mate. I even mentioned like, it at work today that uh, a part of the Caribbean. Someone said they're all really long, aren't they? Those films. Well, Lord of the Rings ain't, or Star Wars ain't. They are, but no one says Lord of the Rings isn't a long film. In fact, that's probably one of the first things people do mention when it comes to Lord exactly. of the Rings. Yeah, but you're saying it's such a negative. But in terms of cinema, like we we've been in a position to go to the cinema far more to see these than Lord of the Rings, which was a lot earlier. Mm. I think the first Pirates of the Caribbean comes out in in the final year of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, two thousand three, mate. Do you know um, when this was nominated for all of the awards? Uh, rather than go to uh, the massive awards kind of ceremony Oscar party after they won, picked up I think like five or whatever it was they picked up, they instead just turned up at a uh, fan party with just this Lord of the Rings fan club and just hung out with all of the actual Lord of the Rings fans for the evening where they didn't have cameras on them the entire time and people that would appreciate them a bit more rather than it being kind of uh, such an extravagance. And Elijah Wood says it's one of the best nights he's ever had. Okay. He said they could just be themselves there. There wasn't any pressure. The people were kind of respectful in, yes, they wanted to share their enthusiasm for the film, but they weren't queuing up to try and make it a, look, we're here with these. They just appreciated the fact that they could spend it with the people that have brought kind of what they love to life and they said it was just really great and he said he wishes he could do that for kind of all films moving forward just because it's so much better than having to put on a front and act like these parties are more entertaining than they are fair enough yeah um he was on his uh, hot ones interview he's just done one he very well spoken actually i don't know i don't didn't have a conception that he wasn't but he's a very interesting person to listen to hmm. i'll take your word for it yeah, yeah, it's quite, it's quite good um, to I, ask him about some of the films he does. Um, I like Hot Ones, it's pretty good. I haven't watched any yeah. of the new series, to be fair. Well, he, he says, uh, he Elijah Wood, he's been a fan of the show prior to being on there. Mm. And he was filming something in the same building. Yeah. And they came out and they saw the sources that were displayed somewhere. And he pointed at it to whoever showed them around the building and said, oh, I've seen than before and they, they were told yeah this is where they film it do you want to try some of the sources mm. and uh, his manager tried uh, the bomb the last one they do for those that haven't watched it um, and he tried it as well and about five minutes after trying it 
they had to go outside because his, his manager felt very unwell. Um, and they had to call an ambulance for his manager because he was in such a bad way from having this source. And in the meantime, for the ambulance coming, Elijah Wood felt the exact same way and he ended up in the back of an ambulance as well as a result of trying these sources. Wow. He said his he said his stomach felt like it was just on fire inside and still went back to go and do it again, this time on an actual video uh, experience. So uh, fair play to him. Yeah, I don't think you uh assess a bit like fool me once, uh, fool me twice, really. Yeah, it probably had uh, lined his stomach or something first. Mm. He says on there a story before we carry on that the way they kind of broke the ice early on set, and it was on the first day of filming, I think he said. Um, I don't know if, how much you've seen of, say, The Fellowship of the Ring or if you've seen any of it. So there's a point as they're leaving the Shire where they bump into Merry and Pippin mm-hmm. and they're being chased by a farmer and they essentially all roll down this hill and mm-hmm. they all end up on top of Frodo, and it's meant to be kind of just a, a funny bit. And he says, as a result of just everyone falling on top of him, the pressure, it pushed out just this massive fart that could just be heard all across the set. And he said, it's one of them. You had to laugh because you couldn't pretend it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And he said something just as embarrassing as that. After that, there was nothing that, could be more embarrassing, so they all got on like a house on fire, and it really helped when they carried on filming down the line. Yeah, fair enough. Maybe if you have a new job or something, drop your guts on your first day in the office, and uh, you can't get much lower than that, so people have to be on board with you. Probably not going to take that that as a tactic. (laughs) We need someone to. um, Someone that goes through jobs, so maybe think of someone that uh, goes through them and get them to test out for us. Um, in terms of last scene standing, I just realised went back. Sorry, I didn't mean to go off. Got <laughs> we on parts of the Caribbean for a moment. Um, last scene standing. Which one would you put forward? Introduction to Jack. So what? Him on the dock. Yeah, or actually, I said this on the pod, it's my favourite scene. It is the explanation of Jack Sparrow and the the speech about him being marooned and him almost going mad and Barbosa being his first mate. My Mine would have been uh, Jack escaping after he saves Elizabeth at the start. Ultimately, ultimately ends up with him face-to-face with Orlando Bloom, doesn't it? Mm. Um, I don't think either of them beat what we've already got. On, on uh, in the chair. No, no, no. I agree. Uh, yeah, the, the, I say I, I do dislike the film, but uh, similar to what you said with uh, <laughs> similar to what you said with um, Lord of the Rings, um, there are parts of it I enjoy. Um, I won't slate it that much to the point where I say I was sat there shaking my head the entire time, like I was with uh, Master and Commander, and the less said about that film, the better. To be quite honest with you. Um, a line from this film that could be used as a Tinder bio or an opening message. Um, now, I wonder if you can maybe try this for us while we're on the air and let us know if you uh, get a reply. 
I'm not going to do that. Well, if you go down the Barbosa line of uh, for too long I've been parched of thirst and unable to quench it. Too long I've been starving to death and haven't died. I feel nothing, not the wind on my face, nor the spray of the sea, nor the warmth of a woman's flesh. I think that could work for you. I don't. I guess you'll be the one missing out because I think you're onto a winner there. Okay. Sometimes you've just got to be happy to lose. <laughs> well, we'll go. Actually, I can give you the, the result of that. So uh, the result of that was 10-4 to Lord of the Rings. Now, I know you weren't happy with that score. Were you expecting much different? Uh, I was more annoyed that Django didn't didn't get through. Probably my favorite yeah. film, The Bracket. So after that, anything was what it was. Well, we'll see if Django gets some love in uh, the end of season awards next week as a uh, consolation for you. But no, I knew. Um, I. Uh, some, what you say? Sorry, I was going to say no. I knew all the rooms would win. Some some of the films are just powerhouses when it comes to the categories, which yeah. weren't done for that reason. I mean, a lot. I I think I put it together, but did have it signed off by uh, you and Sean. Yeah, some of them are just hard hard to beat and yes as we saw with the marvel uh head to head they have a particular way of doing things that makes it even more difficult i'd say um if we go on to saving private ryan so we're halfway through the films uh defeated interstellar in the opening round and then uh, cruised past jurassic park in round two the prequels sequels or lack of uh now, obviously, that doesn't work for this, but I wrote down earlier a question to ask you. Uh, if you were gifted the rights to the film, Saving Private Ryan, the characters, etc., basically everything involved with it, what would you do to make some money from it? Probably go a prequel of Captain Miller and his squad. Not his squad, um, what's your man called? Tom Sizemore. Okay. What's his name? You're asking me, um, the first time I saw it was in this bracket. <sighs> Sergeant Horvath. Because they're obviously yeah, already together. So yeah, I'd, I'd probably go, maybe some of that, how they end up, how he ends up getting that dirty start of the war. Not really sure what else you do with it. No, uh, you probably try and do something with Tom Hanks if you can, but his character's whole thing was that he didn't enjoy war or that kind of thing, so It'd yeah. be hard to make too much out of it. Um, I'm surprised, as I saw with some other films, um, they did do it. If I was then when cinemas reopened again, I'd have sold this into every single cinema that would take it because it's the kind of film that enough people will say. Um, I guess even even we would say it. I'd love to see that on the big screen. Yeah. And when there were no films back, I thought this would be one of the ones that... Uh, you could really get people to do because with respect some of the ones that they were doing it for were blockbuster films in the sense of uh, kind of the awards and things but it weren't really one that was going to get you to go out and see it just because it was on a big screen like this would yeah i get i get that uh what do you love most about this film the the beach scene like the intensity of it as a war film yeah i found it very quickly and i guess that might play into it you feel bonded with the characters almost from the jump 
Um, mm-hmm. And it's one of them where the rest of the film doesn't work if you don't care about the characters. If you're just seeing essentially them on a road to go and pick another guy up and hope for the best. The whole thing is built on it being quite secluded in, in an open space, like when they're pinned down by the sniper mm. and when they're really showing kind of how far away they are when they're telling the stories between them, when they get uh, Steamboat Willie and so on. Yeah. So you do start asking, what would I do in that situation? So they do, they do a great job of that with very little because we spoke on previous podcasts um, and I think it was started with comedy where you don't, you, you you don't need the full uh this is my name this is how i got here sometimes we'll we'll, we'll learn on the job what this character's like and uh kind of get to know them as the film goes on so works works nicely hmm. do you have a nitpick for the film um no but i'm never i'm oh, sorry man, i'm never very good at this category Maybe I don't watch the films with enough intention. It, it makes me pay enough attention to them whilst I'm watching them, but I feel like I do. Not particularly. I mean, if anything, that they send six blokes to this is vitally important. You know, the big boss man's made the decision that we need to bring this kid home. So we just send six guys traips across, okay. you know what I mean, to traips across France. Yeah, I guess it's an even bigger message in 1917 and they send two blokes. Yeah. Um, so they got done to it. With this, as I, as we said previously, the, the opening scene annoys me mainly just because it doesn't make sense with the ending. Like whether it's supposed to be a twist or not, you have a guy supposedly having a flashback for something he wasn't there for, and it takes away from the ending for me, which I spoke to you about the uh, judging like... once we had the. For me, for me, it does. Like it, it takes away from the ending for me because I'm annoyed by the opening. If I didn't have that opening scene, I'd appreciate the ending so much more. Oh, I don't get it, but okay. Well, they tried to make the ending a twist, like rather than it just being what it is. He's guilty. He's got survivor's guilt. Do they try and make it a twist though? Well, the, the whole thing is at the start of the film. You're you're meant to believe that it's Tom Hanks's character. You you can't tell me they aren't trying to do that. They do the zoom in on him, and then they zoom out, and it's on. Tom Hanks. There's no way they're not trying to paint that as a flashback. I don't think it's so much of a twist, though. Well, you're meant to see the end and go, ah, it wasn't, it was Private Ryan. <laughs> twist is maybe makes it seem like it's more. I, I don't uh, think like he's done to, I, I, I don't think he's done to deceive. I think it's, it, it sets, an, I, if you just cut to an old guy in a, in a cemetery, I think it, it's only there to show at the end I I think you can go straight in with the beach scene and have the ending and it makes no difference but I'm not think, alone if you search, I, I also, search Saving Private Ryan right there hundreds of thousands of people have the same issue I don't think having it takes anything away from it though I don't I don't know I'd like certainly not to be this big an issue like, this is like the third time you and I've had this conversation well it's, it's a nitpick I don't have the rest of the film is very good I don't have anything negative to say about it mm. yeah I mean yeah you're pretty entitled to it I don't just don't see I don't see the issue with it for me last scene standing now things get things get tasty here I think 
we'd be agreed the standout is the Omaha Beach scene. Yes, um, sir. Does it take over from Javier Bardem's rap speech in Skyfall? Yes. Is that s- strong? Yes. Yeah. I'm not saying I disagree. Just uh, just checking where we were. The the other scene that I would have put in the conversation that wouldn't have been the number one, and I said it but, uh, on the last pod. I really do love that sniper scene. Just how it is good, inclusive it, it feels, and the kind of uh, blockbuster ending with him being shot through his own scope is mm. just a a, per, a perfect way to end it. But yeah, re- really good. Um, it's a better scene. I do, I do agree. I do agree that that um, that takes the spot, but very narrowly. I I. I put it down to essentially if and explain this very strangely. If every day for the next year I was told to put on one of these scenes, I think I would watch the Saving Private Ryan one more. Yeah, I think that's a great way of explaining it, mate. And like I always think with this, I don't know who would be the one in this situation that is for is forcing me to do this. But uh yeah, I, I think that one has a bit more replay value. Or it's hard because they're so different. The one is literally built on subtleties, and the other one is built on being as in your face as it is. Yeah, I guess on this occasion, and for a lot of this bracket in particular, I'll take it being put right in front of you. Fair. Um, so we have a new uh, scene on the throne. Uh, the line from the film. That could be used as a Tinder bio or opening message. Um, this is great. Now we got to surrender our socks if you want to go American Pie style. <laughs> <laughs> Keep the sand out of your weapons. Um, I'll see you on the beach. Um, that's quite a view, I guess, if you want to be uh, quite nice. Mm. But that's as good as we've got here. It's not quite uh, what we had for Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Couple of films left then, so uh, well, one film. Um, two films. I'm confused myself. Two films left, but for some reason, don't my notes down for them. So we'll do that one on the fly. Um, oh, no, I do have them. I don't know what happened there. Okay, uh, Dark Knight Rises then. Um, did you just give did, the score? Did you give the score out for Saving Private Ryan? I think that's what's confused me. Um, is I was looking for what it was. A, Against uh, no, it's Dark Knight Rises, and then we have Infinity War in 1917. So we've um, got three three films left. Yeah, yeah, I've got myself in the right muddle there. Honestly, um, mate, come on, standards are slipping yeah. now. It, there's been, it's been low energy the last couple of weeks. I'm hoping we uh, get things right right wrapped back up um, uh, for next week. I'm uh, doing my best here. What's mean uh, low energy? I, I think uh, we've not been having the same. Uh, Rip roaring as we've had on previous ones. I don't think we've had as much to work with. Hmm. Okay. The the highest energy, the highest moment last week for me was when we were talking about Everest. Is uh, my thinking. Um, Dark Knight Rises. We did the Dark Knight obviously on last season, so we don't need to go over that. And Batman Begins again. Did the Dark Knight last season, mate? We're doing the Dark Knight Rises, mate. Dark Knight Rises. No. What did I say? You said we did the Dark Knight Rises last season. Oh, sorry. Um, 
What do you love most about The Dark Knight Rises? There's a couple of bits. Uh, probably, it seems to be an unpopular opinion when I throw it out there, but I do think Bane is brilliant. The story behind it. say Jim Gordon. <laughs> my guy. Gary Oldman. Legend. Um, I do think Bane is brilliant. I know no, Bane's what I've should... got as top of my list. Yeah, I think Bane's brilliant. The story behind it is brilliant. The, the broken Batman coming back uh, and so on. I do just really like this film. The opening is fantastic. Yep. Um, the scene where they blow up the football, the, the stadium is, is actually class. Um, some objections, some, some objections to the ending, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there. Um, yeah, I, I, I think Bane is probably the pick of the bunch, mate. We, you were on the podcast when we did this first one around, weren't you? No. Do you know I've missed both Batman pods? Okay, so in, in terms of the ending, and I guess that could have been your, your nitpick here, Jack claims that he's done the maths as to whether Batman could have survived, and he claims he could have, probably by the skin of his teeth, but he uh, he's talking, working out the speed of the uh, jet and all sorts, if you were... Uh, I don't know how uh, that will change your opinion of <laughs> Jack. How does he know the speed that that thing's going? He claims he has a good estimate. So it's just an estimate. So yeah. therefore, the, therefore, the equation in its entirety is just bollocks. No offence, no offence, Jack. I think you're a great lad, but some of this tonight, either Byron's coming for you. No, no. You can listen back. You can listen back to the episode where I don't. He, I don't. I think I, he... I'm not accusing you of lying. I just feel like you're trying to drop him in. I could drop, no, drop some no. shots on him a couple of times and trying to prejudice. Not, not shots. I'm saying, as for the questions about the ending, Jack claims it, it shouldn't. It shouldn't be a nitpick because he could have survived. You don't need to throw that. Throw that out there. It feels like you're trying to do Jack dirty. Jack, oh. it doesn't change my opinion of you. Great guy, but for the yeah. record, mate, put, that equation put, is put some. There on the airwaves. That equation is some horseshit. You'd half expect Catwoman to be. Uh... Oh, it was very close, <laughs> but no, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to lower myself. To, I'm not going to lower myself to your level. Oh, well, I've done it for the pair of us. No, of course, um, the, the nitpick. I, I've said it even before we did uh, the, the the this film. The lack of big death for Bane is is really a massive oversight for me. No, what? No explosion and so on. Yes, yes. He just he just goes down with a whimper. Like, but Batman doesn't kill. What more, you, what more do you want? I don't know what you want me to say here. He doesn't kill people. He does actually. He does actually. There is actually a comic because I'm sure people will know where he does actually kill the Joker. Um, but he doesn't kill. It's not going to kill him. I don't know what more you want. Well, he, he doesn't even have to kill him. Like there could be some kind of battle, and it could be that he's taken out in a different way. But him just being rammed by a motorbike just doesn't feel right for a guy that is probably the closest thing we've she seen shoot, to Thanos. him? It's, well, is, is it not she shoots him as she's riding him with a bike and he kind of smashes him at the same time? Is it not a bit of both? She shoots him because she makes the quip about guns. Even more pathetic then. Um, isn't that what you wanted? He, he gets shot by a fucking cannon off a motorbike. But it's, it doesn't feel big. This is this is a guy who's the closest thing I felt to Thanos in superhero movies in terms of a guy who you look at and you're like, I don't know how they're gonna beat this guy. And then 
shooting him with a cannon off a motorbike. He gets a little, basically, like, you take his inhaler off him, and I'm halfway just presses one button on a bike, and he's, he's kaput. Yeah, I mean, cannon off a motorbike's a pretty big death scene for me. It doesn't feel big. It doesn't, it doesn't, there's, no, there's no drama to it. There's no... The drama is surpassed, though, by the fact that the city's about to fucking blow up. Well, that's what I mean. I mean having last longer in that circumstance, maybe you send him away with the nuke. I don't know. At some point, Batman's got to get a grip, basically. Well, I think you're asking him to lose it. No, this is this would be him firmly getting a grip. He's got blood on his hands and plenty of it. At, at this point, it, it's essentially you seeing Salah put the ball on the goal line in a cup final and saying like he doesn't score tap-ins. It you've got to do what you've got to do. Your morals go out the window. Do what you need to. This guy is going to kill everyone. He does what he needs to. It gets done. Oh, sorry. He, he doesn't, doesn't need do to, it. But it gets done. He doesn't have the chance, does he? You one rides in. But gone. He's had the chance. He, he, he's already smashed his inhalers off his face. Well, he's probably going to die. Out, man. <laughs> he doesn't kill. Don't know what you actually it's, want me to say. Batman's that guy. He's the best of us. It's pathetic. I think you're being overly harsh. No. It's, <laughs> you, if, with great power comes great responsibility, a wise pastor maker once said. What? In this, Uncle Ben. Pastor maker? He makes pasta sauce, doesn't he? I thought Uncle Ben was rice. I thought, I didn't oh, think he oh, made oh, pasta sauce. <laughs> Yes, you are. <laughs> When's your Dolmio day? Um, Pretend that didn't happen. Um, you're the one who edit, you're the one who edits the pods. I presumed you meant Uncle Ben, but I didn't know if you were going to tell me <laughs> this was. You're going to be like, oh yeah, this is where it comes. Uncle from. Dolmio. Yeah, this is where it comes from. I, he says, with great power comes great responsibility. Batman's ducking this responsibility. When did Spider-Man ever put in work? Spider-Man puts him... Spider-Man Spider kills Green Goblin in the first film. Isn't that more by accident? Doesn't Bill he end up blowing himself up? Gets his hands dirty. No, I, his, I, uh, even I even um, your man Jake Gyllenhaal, Mysterion, he don't kill him. In fact, it's part of the, the trailer that he spends his time saying, oh, I didn't kill him, oh, I didn't kill him. It was the drones. He's a kid. Drones. He's a kid. Irrelevant. Great power, great responsibility. If you want to use that, you want to go down the Spider-Man route, yeah. or go down the Spider-Man route. The moment they had Thanos where they wanted him to, they go straight for his head and take it clean off his shoulders. That is what you do. Then they spend the rest of the film regretting that action. Yeah, but that's that's different. They still they still tried to kill him. They tried to do for the greater good. Him having Infinity Stones. Bane doesn't have Infinity Stones. He's got a mask on. So does Batman. That's all he's got. He ain't got any superpowers. Big man's got some cash in the bank. Yeah, so wipe him out. You've got even less of an excuse. If they can get rid of Thanos, you can get rid of Bane. Yeah, it's not whether, it's, it's that he won't. It's not that he can't. There is a big difference. That's even more. No, sorry. It's the completely other way around. It's not, not that he can't. It's that he won't. Sorry. That's more irritating. No, man of his word. We've had this chat on the pod once already. Look, when you're family, back then, you, when your family then gets muked and you hear Batman could have taken him out, by the way, but he's got morals, how are you going to feel? 
the likelihood is if my family's been nuked, I'm nuked as well. No, so you're you're away. You're 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 away playing poker on a Thursday night. Oh, sound better? Um, no, I'm just telling you, you're away. The, the nuke has been dropped, and you 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 hear first of all, this is horrible. I can't believe this has happened. Then they beam up on the news, and Batman's saying, you know, I could have killed him, by the way, but my morals, you've got to understand. Bad example, because at this point, the nuke's already on a timer. Him killing him when you're talking about it, it doesn't stop that. It's killing a guy that was prepared to kill your family. But he's all, the nuke has already gone off at this point, so this is a, an act of revenge. It's not an act of salvation. The nuke's, already, or the nuke's already in play. Do but both. again, well, he, doesn't, he doesn't kill him. He then saves him anyway. So well, your argument, your argument's fucking moot because well, number one, he does. To, you're going to apply it to the Joker then. You're going to apply it to the Joker. The Joker says, "You know what? I want this Bonner household. I want these Lord of the Rings books we've mentioned earlier, and I'm going to go straight through the household and take everyone out." You're at the house. You get back. Batman's saying, "Sorry, pal. I could have killed him earlier, but not much." Your fault. hypotheticals are getting so much worse. Stick to the facts at hand, and I'm right. It's, it's, these it, it, are the facts at hand. Batman they're not, no, are they? Kill these guys, and he decides, I don't fancy it because he him, wants some sense of morality. You're cheating anyway. If you want the morality, go hand to hand. Chuck these gadgets to one side if you want morality. You can't in, have what universe principles. These have got guns. They ain't throwing hands, are they? So the Joker's them, trying man. to stab people. <laughs> no, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Yes, it does. No, you stop it these doesn't. guys being able to do it to someone else. That's an act of revenge. It's not an act of save. It's not save. It's not actual saving someone, is it? At well, this have point, you seen the justice before. system in Arkham? No. They get straight back out to do it again. I, I genuinely, I don't know what you're trying to achieve here. Number one, you're wrong about the Bane thing because again, the bomb's already in place. So him killing him doesn't stop that bomb. I want from Batman to find some John Stones. As the case may be, by the way, you are aware that we're both 26 and we're sat arguing about this. Well, because you, you, you Just to start realisation. I'm 27. Yeah, you, oh, yeah. you, you, you will respect your elders and listen to me here. You are actually just wrong, though. That's, that, that's the difference. No, no, I was about to say the same to you, so don't take the words out of my mouth. But like, it's not even like, oh, this is my opinion. What you're saying about the Bane thing is actually just wrong. The bomb's already in play. Him killing doesn't save anyone else. In fact, it's just one more person dead. In fact, he ends up dying anyways. You've already raised the point. Is irrelevant well, I mean, we started with, with me saying that he should have had a grander ending is basically where they started. Yeah. Um, again, the drama uplifted by the bomb. Batman does his bit. Uh, my nitpick for the ending to go all the way back to the actual point that we raised fucking 10 minutes ago, um, is the whole introduction of Robin really pisses me off. Well, because they knew they weren't going to do another one anyway. Yeah. Really Jesus annoys you, me. Yeah. Love, hate Joseph, between you and Christopher Nolan. But what Joseph you've got to understand is, great guy. His, his principles, that's what why he got, does it. Well, if you can accept that off Nolan, you can accept that off Batman. No, if I don't accept anything off Nolan after watching Tenet. <laughs> Joker bloke. <laughs> I've not seen Tenet, to be honest. My two brothers went to watch it, the cinema come back and went, mate, just don't bother with it. I don't, we don't think you'll like it. I was like, yeah, you two know me pretty well. That'll do me. Yeah, I don't think you'll like it either. Anyway, last scene standing. Is anything going to knock saving Private Ryan off the throne? I have three scenes to suggest. Okay, please do. The op- the opening scene, Bane 
on the plane. Oh, He's good. got quotables for days. Mm. They expect one of us in the wreckage, brother. The whole way through, he's got he's got quits going. Within about two minutes of the film starting, you know I'm in for a treat. Yeah. Next up, the football stadium collapse. Um, and another nitpick to add that the players on the pitch don't realise that the stadium is literally crumbling beneath their feet. Um, the guy running with the ball. Uh, returning the kickoff actually runs the entire pitch without realizing mm. that uh, his teammates and the rest of the stadiums collapsed, and the guy chasing him down. So I do have some admiration and commitment there. Um, what a lovely, lovely voice, uh, as he says. And finally, the fight in the sewers. Um, oh. Bane just shows you what he's made of. Unbelievable. And again, cracking his back. Quotables. Well, we'll break yeah. first. Uh, for the is your ally. for it, I can't remember really remember school. If this makes it to the semis, blinding. If this makes it to the semis, I'll give you a Bane impression. Well, you'll know in about a minute. Well, you do know, but uh, I, you've sent this to me, but I've actually forgotten. So I'm just not going to scroll back up for our, our our WhatsApp to find it. So I'll just wait for you to tell me. So I'll I'll be I'll be honest. I actually take. The opening scene and the fight in the sewers over the Saving Private Ryan uh, beach scene, but it does take two to tango. And uh, so, if you disagree, then this stays, then that stays on the throne. You are a wonderful dance partner, if that's the case. Um, I will give you the I will give you the sewer fight. Yeah, I would. I, I think yeah. the, the beach scene is, is better than the football stadium. Up. But the yeah. opening scene, the fight in the sewers, um, I mean, we've got the best opening scene of, of one of the awards, and I mean, I know where my vote's going there already. So do I, and it seems it's not in the same place. Um, yeah, I'll give you, I'll give you the fight in the sewer. That's brilliant. He's like, Mr. Wayne. Um, yeah. I actually thought I mean, that, well, quite, that was quite watching on. I thought I was quite a good little one there. Um, yeah, I, I would give him more praise, but uh, if you're in my bad books briefly. Oh. Okay. Well, I just know that maybe if there's some guy ready to kill me and you're kind of stood over him, you're not prepared to take him out. He could come back for me. Yeah, I'm not Batman. I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just trying to respect what he's about. You're Bond Man. Mm. Not your best work. Well, it seems better than calling myself Boy Man, which would be a different message. Um. <laughs> um, I don't know how this works as a Tinder one, but um, I just laughed when I read it, and uh, and it's Gordon saying, uh, "I hope you're a friend like I did to plunge their hands into the film." <laughs> <laughs> just you need just next time you need a wingman, uh, you you have a poor wingman. That's what you need to uh, hype him up with. Yeah, let him know. Um, so as you did reference then. Uh, Dark Knight Rising did come out triumphant against Saving Private Ryan, 8-6 overall. Uh, I'm not sure this works great as a, tin- as a Tinder bar, but Suffering Bill's character. <laughs> Start things on a, on a bad foot there. Yeah, I mean, we didn't say they have to be successful. No, no. Um, all right, two films to go. Avengers Infinity War then defeated Zombieland in round one. 
and Thor Ragnarok in round two. Prequels, sequels, or lack of? I feel like we we covered we, them when we did. We fucking put this to death, mate. <laughs> yeah, the Infinity War pod. So I just wanted to make sure you didn't have anything to say on Endgame before I uh, moved on. Um, it's pretty good. What do you love most about Infinity War? Um, oh, that's a very good question. Excuse me, sorry for one moment. Oh, uh, I quite like the introduction of a couple of new new characters, if you will, into the Avengers universe. Um, my nitpick is going to it will actually surround that to be honest uh, in introduction of new characters but I do do like it the the actual fight scenes in it I, did, it, I do think it's cool it's the same brand game but when you see them come together and so on yeah. I do, do do think it's, it's brilliant I've got um, the fact that you genuinely believe Thanos can win um, just makes such a difference to every battle in there as to how Thanos is actually going to come out on top of this one rather than all right, how are the Avengers going to pull this one off this time kind of like uh, wrestling where you would see someone get battered and you're like okay how's he going to come back from this one then? Um, this felt a bit different due to the build up that you knew you were going to get two films of uh, chaos yeah fair it's just a good shape mate um, what is your nitpick then uh, I suppose it's actually for the wrong film, but across the two, so hopefully you'll allow me to have it. I think I said it on the pod. Um, it annoys me that sort of Thanos' Black Order go from being like, all power, like all powerful, like really formidable yeah. foes, and they just they sort of just leave it. It really, yeah. it really annoys <laughs> me. And then in Endgame, they're just like, eh, all right, they're gone now, and there's just no. Yeah reasoning behind it it just it does annoy me and the, the lack of expansion of what they could have done i suppose yeah although uh, when a film's already three hours long i guess the argument would no be i i know i i i know i and i get that mate and you are you are right but it's still it's, it's something that does annoy yeah. me um last scene standing as to whether anything takes over from batman here um i had down thanos snapping his fingers and i guess whether you count it separately or in the same one, Spider-Man's uh, I Don't Want to Go was kind of the overriding uh, clip from the film. Mm. Uh, none of them for me. Uh, I agree. Um, a line from the film that could be used as a Tinder bio or opening message, uh, I uh, dread it, run from it, destiny arrives all the same, and now it's here, or should I say I am. There really wasn't much to work with there. Unless you want to make some crude head comments that Thanos makes throughout the film, um, but I'm not that guy. It smells like a new car in here. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll go on to 1917 on that note. So 1917, the final film of the quarterfinal matchups, uh, defeated Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade in round one. Apocalypto in round two and then finds itself against this juggernaut. Uh, prequel sequels or lack of don't work do they? Because this is the first war any of these characters have been in mm-hmm. and uh, one one of them doesn't make it to the end. So, What do you love most about this film? The ensemble. So what I um, took down from this is the reason they were able to get some uh, so many of these uh, actors in there is they promised them that they wouldn't have to do any press work if they starred. 
Nice. And so that's why you were able to get like Benedict Cumberbatch, for example, in kind of minor role because he was able to just come in, do his bit, and was told you don't have to do any promo. He actually chose to do some uh, Benedict Cumberbatch because um, he uh, felt that way about the film. But yeah, he, he wasn't contractually obligated to do anything for it. Hmm. Fair enough. Um, I have down just the way it's shot, just the way it really draws, draws yeah, you in. That's my other. That's my other point about it, the way it was shot. I remember there being a lot of um, a lot of hype. Yeah. Like during a sort of press release, press release, not just the sort of circulation, but Joe, like the little bits you see online, like the interview with director and whatever you see yeah. before a film comes out about the way it was shot, about how it was so different, well, and being really inter- interested to see it. Turns out I waited all this time, um, say all this time, two years. I didn't actually watch it until we did the pod. Um, and then I wasn't, I wasn't sort of disappointed at all. If if you think that I was trying to dig Jack out earlier for perhaps these uh, nerdy moments like doing the calculations, there are people who've taken actual time to do compilations on YouTube of every time they do break the camera shot, just as if they're proving a point to the director who's never said it's one continuous shot. He's kind of mm. come out a few times and said, that was kind of put to me. Obviously, you can't just do one continuous shot, but they do their best to make it seamless by it being something like uh, the camera would go behind a wall and then you come out and it's a fresh shot, for example. Yeah. Um, in particular, the the burning shots of the ruins are just incredible in this. Um, I went back and uh, watched it again just because it just looks so nice when he's running when he's running through and escaping from the area and everything's yeah. lit up. Yeah, it's just so good. Uh, do you have a nitpick for the film? I mean, yours point about sending uh, two two fellas um, <laughs> is is probably one. They kind of just have the one line, don't they, where they're like, uh, essentially, less is more here, and that's the reason we're putting the fate of thousands of lives in your hands. And saying, by, by the way, your brother's there, so uh, that's the reason, basically, if you don't get there, your brother's dead. Yeah, it's, it's quite a lot to throw on top of a young kid pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, what about the fact they run forward to avoid the plane rather than left or right? It's a good shout. It's a good shout. Despite knowing what happens, I was watching that again, saying, what are you doing when he's going over to help the guy out of the plane? Just leave him, man. Just leave the guy. You've got, for his own good. you've got a thing about killing people off, haven't you? Well, no, it's the fact that I know what happens to him. So it's like, don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. you know that a second... Uh, the man goes to get his bit of water. Um, he's going to turn back around, mm-hmm. and he's dying. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't blame you if you didn't. Not many people did. The podcast I uh, did on my uh, lonesome for for these. Part of the trivia was that the actor for the character that died supposedly there was no makeup involved. He made himself go that pale while dying, completely of his own accord. Um, I don't know how he achieved that, but that was part of the trivia. Yeah. So maybe didn't know that. Did the the short form pod not do very well for us? Um, well, I, I I kind of put in the comments saying I'm essentially doing this because I felt every film deserved at least a mention, but it is basically just me talking. So yeah, I, I haven't gone back and uh, looked too deeply to see how much it was enjoyed because I thought I knew the answer. I was having to say sentences and like laughing at my own jokes as if I didn't know they were coming just to try and add a bit of flair to the episode. 
Yeah, you've said that to me a couple of times. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was, I did it at half two in the morning, just uh, <laughs> guilt. Um, but there we go. Uh, last scene standing, so I had uh, the running away from the burning ruins as being the highlight for me, but either that or the first time they're going through the trenches to start the film. Uh, but I don't think either topped the Batman scene for me. No, sir, I agree. Um, <laughs> the lines I had down, uh, one, not so much a Tinder one, but just caught me off guard when I was looking through the quotes. Uh, he'll be wanking again in no time at the guy who's had his hand uh, blown off and they say right hand. Um, <laughs> and the other one, uh, look at the size of that rat. <laughs> oh. In a week of not much to work with. Uh, You've pulled it out right at the pulled it out right at the end. Yeah, not my rat. For anyone wondering. <laughs> there we go. Um, I can confirm. I think people are probably aware of which way that was going to go, but the final score was eleven three to Infinity War. So feels harsh that like Man on Fire getting whitewashed. Very good film. Yeah, and he got whitewashed, so uh, there we go. <laughs> so that does do us. So when we go into the final next week, it will be Back to the Future versus Lord of the Rings Return of the King and Dark Knight Rises versus Infinity War. I know it's managed to fit a little Marvel DC in there. Yeah, so two of, uh, it's nice when it works out that way. Yeah, two of well, four are probably the favourites going in, I guess. As much as uh, Avatar was the one seed, I don't think any of us had it going too deep. But we'll get into that next week. So that is that there. We should have Sean back next week, uh, hopefully, uh, for the, the final. I can't imagine he would ever miss the final. And then we have episode 100 as a uh, slight novelty uh week that we will do there and then the week after that we will have season four starting what i'll do once we've crowned the winner for this then i'll start putting the fixtures out into the open for season four and uh, getting those out and hopefully people react the same way to them as we expect them to mm. hopefully so, there we go thank you for listening to another edition of movie madness we'll be back 